Welcome to the Carveline Tech Service Podcast, the go-to industrial coatings podcast. Here are your hosts, Jack Walker and Paula Jamis. All right, Paul, here we are again, another week, another episode of the Carboline Tech Service podcast. How's it going, man? It's going really well. We've had a such a mild January that we've had. I, it's been hard to tell that that it's the middle of winter here. Yeah, I'm really mad that I'm not on a golf course today. It's going <laughs> to hit above 50, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough. You know, my boss, when you listen to this thing, uh, I'm not at the golf course today <laughs> and it's murdering my soul. Yeah. We kind of want to expand on last week's topic this week. You know, we took some bubbling blisters, craters and pinholes, things that are typically interchanged. And now we wanted to do the same thing with some other coating defects. So we want to look at all of the different defects that form cracks, basically. That's right. And really, this comes from the listeners because I got a couple of phone calls this past week that said, hey, I love that episode. Really? Yeah. Just talking about, you know, the differences as to how to identify it and what word to use, you know, and honestly understanding that, yeah, there are references out there and everybody knows that there are, but everybody forgets that. Yeah, you can look it up and there's going to be pictures so that you know how to use the right word. And yeah, it was an easy part two, I guess, of that. Make no mistake about it. We still use the wrong terms sometimes in conversation. It is very easy to mix up those terms. Like this is as much for us as it is for you, right? Like, (laughs) oh yeah, because uh, you know, the conversation we had just as we were prepping today, one of them that we're going to get into is crazing. Yeah. That's not a term you hear a lot, but when you look at it, it is different than alligatoring, but most of the time when people see crazing effect, they're going to call it alligatoring or cracking, even though it does have its own name. That was really one of my favorite Aerosmith songs, the crazing, crazy, amazing. Crazing crying. for you? No, no, no that's 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 uh, that's not even Aerosmith. Crazy for you, that's heart. But uh, Oh, yeah, it no, is. No, my friends and I joke about the 1990s Aerosmith album where they had crazy, amazing, crying. All, all three different songs that were all basically <laughs> the same. And so crazing is like uh, probably the 2021 remix, right? Right. Crazy and amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Anyway, uh, we want to talk about alligatoring, sometimes called crocodiling, cracking, checking, cracking at welds, crazing, stress cracking, and mug cracking. So I think we should just get right in it and talk about alligatoring. All right. One of the things everybody kind of knows what this looks like in their head, and it's called alligatoring because it typically looks like the skin of an alligator. It's got frequently a kind of pattern to it. It's a lot of geometric shapes and it has to do with how the coating cures under different sets of conditions that cause it to have this defect. And and it is a defect in that it's preventable if you do everything right and every paint is susceptible to do it if you're doing things wrong. Sure. And it can happen at large scale uh, where the the cracks themselves within the pattern are really big or it can happen on a really small scale as well. A lot of the times this is uh, caused by internal stress in the coating during cure. So that's when it shrinks faster than uh, it can handle and the paint actually pulls apart during that curing process. That's right. And a lot of times you're going to see this when you have excessive film thickness or the paint isn't flexible enough for the substrate that it's being put onto. Sometimes it's happening 
because the coat underneath it isn't completely cured. So kind of like Paul said, prevention is fairly easy. You wanna make sure that you're uh, using the correct coating specification. So you, that means compatible coatings and compatible materials. You wanna avoid excessive thickness and you wanna avoid uh, high ambient temperatures during the application process. So next, Paul, let's take a second. That's alligatoring or crocodiling. Let's take a second and move on to cracking. All right, in cracking, there's a lot of different things. They're all cracking. They look different depending on where they're at. So sometimes you're going to see it at a weld and that's just going to be called cracking at a weld. Or you may see it at a stress point. You may also see mud cracking. All of these are just different variations to help identify what might be part of the underlying cause of that cracking. And basically we're just talking about a splitting of the dry film where there may not be a distinct pattern like you see in alligatoring. You may not have a definitive line that you follow but frequently stress cracking you do, you'll see that stress point revealed in the way the crack forms in the same way at a weld. You're going to see it. It's going to follow the weld when you do it. But then in other cases like mud cracking and just general cracking, it's not going to have a pattern. Sure. So with cracking, so you threw a lot of the other topics that we're going to talk about later in, in, <laughs> into that. So let's uh, let's clear up the mud. It's hard to pull them apart. Yeah. So and that's why we're doing this, right? So with cracking, a lot of the times when we're talking specifically about cracking, it is stress related. You're, you're looking at uh, surface movement, possibly aging, ab absorption or deabsorption of moisture. Basically, you're looking at a general lack of flexibility within the coating. The thicker the paint film, the greater the possibility that it will crack. That's right. Especially when we're talking about solvented coatings or non hundred percent solids coating system. It could be water. It could be a, a traditional solvent coating, but those have more of a tendency to, to have these problems occur. And again, prevention is back to your specification. You want to have the correct coating systems, application techniques, and dry film thicknesses. If it's a situation where movement is causing this, you, you might, you know, movement in the substrate, and this is where you would see it at the welds, right? You might need a more flexible coating. That's a lot of times when you, you think about a, a welded tank, that is something that we'll take into mind is uh, we'll look at a very flexible coating like a uh, Reactamine 760, the uh, hybrid polyurethane. That's right. And a lot of times we'll see, I know we kind of said you don't often see this type in the 100% solids, but you will, especially over a flex point, which if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the use of bond breakers. Sure. And that is to help prevent your rigid epoxy top coat from cracking over a flex point. Mm -hmm. So as we move down our general topics and names associated with cracking, checking comes up next. That's right. Checking is typically a very fine crack and they don't usually penetrate beyond the top coat of the paint system. Sometimes you can't even see it unless you're looking through magnification. This is the typical thing. Usually the 5X magnification works really well for seeing checking in a surface. A lot of the times this could be a problem with the paint, but it is frequently caused by stresses at the surface layer. And when you get the top part becomes more brittle, it has a tendency to crack over the age of the coating. It could be like we've talked about before, a specification problem where you have incompatibilities. Again, flexibility comes into play here. And really the prevention here with checking is to get a good coating system that's compatible using flexible materials with flexible materials, rigid with rigid. And really it all comes down to your foundation. If, if you put a bad coating on first, it's hard to over 
overcome that obstacle that you create yourself. And and checking, I would say, out of all of these is one that we see the least. Yeah, I think one of the main distinctions to keep in mind, too, the difference between checking and cracking, typically checking, you don't see through that top coat where in cracking systems, you will see through the top coat of paint. And depending on what the system is, you may see all the way down to the substrate or you may just see down into a previous layer of the paint. But that's one of the big difference. Yeah, kind of like blistering. It shows up much later in the coating system's life. Exactly. All right, Paul, we made it. It's 2021. Finally, we're here. But we want to talk about a new tool that Carboline has given to the wastewater industry. So help us get rid of 2020. Something like that. Yeah, we can flush that down the toilet. There you go. But here we go. We can uh, bring in Brian Cheshire. This tool is near and dear to his heart. So, Brian, why don't you tell us about the Wastewater Asset Protection Guide? Yeah, sure, Jack. So, you know, we're really excited to introduce this new tool and what it does. It takes the user step-by-step through the wastewater collection and treatment process. From there, we give details on each of the specific assets, along with suggestions for coating and lining options for the various substrates within those structures. But we feel this tool really gives a good high-level view on the treatment process and some of the coatings and linings that can be used to protect these structures. And where to go find it, carboline.com. We've got it under Markets, Water, Wastewater. And then we also have it under the Resources tab in the middle of the page. And in both cases, it's simply labeled as the Wastewater Asset Protection Guide. Yep, and that's the Wastewater Asset Protection Guide. And when you catch yourself in a shirty situation, go ahead and check it out. Moving on, we're now to crazing, crazing, amazing crying. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about that, Paul. Yeah. So crazing, it really is similar to alligatoring or checking, but it's a much wider spread in the defect where in a checking, it's a very narrow, very thin and cracks. They're frequently very skinny, the space. But when you're looking at a crazing situation, it's, it's a wide split. Now, frequently, the things that we see that cause these have a tendency to be temperature related. And usually it happens when the substrate is too cold or drops quickly in temperature. So you'll see it in, you may have been applying your paint in the afternoon, everything was fine. And then you have a massive temperature drop. And if you're painting on steel, it's going to drop really quickly. And the steel expansion and contraction throughout those conditions, it reacts much more quickly than the coating can while it's trying to cure. And we end up with these widespread cracks. Sure. So how we try to prevent this is you go with a thinner coat of paint, slower drying solvent. Those fast solvents sometimes can create problems more than they can help. We want to check that our application and drying conditions are like we're in the relevant range for the coatings that we're using. And again, compatibility between coating. Much like last week, I hope that you're noticing a theme that, you know, with the bubbles, blisters, craters, and pinholes, a lot of that had to do with outgassing the substrate. And there was a lot of commonalities between the causes. Same thing with all of these different forms of cracks, check. There's a lot of commonality to the causes here, but that the minute differences are what differentiate these different topics. We talked about stress cracking when we talked about cracking. So let's talk a little bit about mud cracking, Paul. Yeah, mud cracking is if you've ever looked at the ground after maybe a flood or an area where you've had a lot of water go through that dirt that gets left behind. And as it dries up and it leaves that layer of, of mud, dried mud that's left behind, as it dries and shrinks, that's exactly what mud cracking looks like in a paint system. It can vary in size and in density, but it typically appears fairly quickly and you'll see it as the solvents have evaporated out and 
you see it early in the paint cure process? Yeah, a lot of the times it's due to the over application of heavy pigmented primers such as inorganic zincs. And it's really where you see it the most is inorganic zincs. If you don't have a proper blast profile, that's usually where I see it happen the most with inorganic zinc because you get too heavy with not enough profile, then the stress itself, the coating as it cures, mud cracks. It has to do with the speed of cure, very much like mud cracks after the flood like you talked about. And basically the best way to prevent mud cracking is to apply within the recommended thickness and a good profile. If you don't have a good profile, you are more apt to see it. I'm going to be a marketing guy here for half a second. <laughs> Frequently at Carbline pre-COVID, we would host NACE CIP courses and we would donate paint for them to use because in CIP one, you do a two coat system, you apply it and then you run through your different inspector things and I would frequently help out with the application and we would use one of Carboline's inorganic water-based zincs. We would use Carbazinc 11WB. Now frequently when the whole class was done I would offer to the instructor hey do you want me to make one mud crack so that they can see what that looks like. I swear and I'm not I know I sound like the marketing guy but it was hard. I would get <laughs> I would get 20 mils you know, like double the recommended thickness, triple the recommended thickness. You know, we allow you up to 10 mils, but we really want you in that three to five range. I would put 20 mils on it. Then I'd throw it in the oven to try and make it like evaporate even faster. And nine times out of 10, I would come back and it would look just fine. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I was a failure trying to create a failure. So, I mean, I'm not saying that that is the perfect inorganic zinc. I'm just giving you an example of good formulation can help you out with if you're having a problem with mud cracking and you're not using our zinc. There's the real marketing guy. There you go. <laughs> give, give Paul and his guys a call and they'll set you straight. Now, one of the things to also keep in mind, like Jack said, there's a lot of it when it's properly formulated, it's hard to to cause problems. One of the things that we see a lot of as we've progressed, I've been involved selling paints and working with paints for almost 30 years now. The trend of as paints get more sophisticated, as technologies get more, for lack of a better term, complicated in how a paint is formulated, when you're formulating on the razor's edge for product performance, it frequently will make them more susceptible to application problems sure. where a technology that was, you know, 50 years old and it's full of solvents and it's a great dry schedule. It has a tendency to be very flexible as far as working outside the directed parameters for application. As you get into some of the more sophisticated products and some of the more modern style products, those aren't as lenient as they used to be. So it really is important to know and understand what the product data sheet is telling you, what the applications guides say, talk to your tech guys, talk to your sales guys and see, is there something unique that I have to pay attention to? This is a brand new product on the market or it's a new technology to our industry. You know, the automotive industry has been spraying automotive urethanes for a hundred years. Mm -hmm. But if you take that into a tank, and you try to put it on the outside of a tank or on a bridge, that's a whole different technique that you use than you would have for a car. The paint is different. The technique is different. Man. Those minutias are really important as the paint gets more sophisticated. I want to know the municipality that's paying for that. Right. <laughs> car paint on a bridge. Woo. Yep. 
Ooh, you want to talk about expensive. So anyway, to review, we have alligatoring, cracking, checking, uh, cracking at welds, cra stress cracking, mug cracking, crazing. A lot of these are all caused by things that happen during application, whether it's too hot, too cold, whether the paint is applied too thick or applied over an incompatible coating. These are all the major causes that make these defects appear. So one thing we're gonna do to just take this one step further, I love these little happy accidents where we end up with a little series that we never intended to, to start. Yeah. But uh, we're, we're gonna bring on a different tech service guy next week, and I'm gonna spin a wheel here in a second with the two victims on there to see which one it gets to be. <laughs> um, and, and we're either gonna bring Billum Sewell back on the show, or we're gonna bring Blaine Drew back on. Both have significant amount of experience doing inspection work of coatings in the field. And we wanna talk about what's the process when you come across one of these defects in the field, what's the best way to proceed? Because we think that's the natural progression of what we're doing. That's right. All right, so Paul, I'm getting ready to spin the wheel here. I got, got this nice little thing. I, I divided it into eighths. So we got Blaine and we got Bill, kind of every other one, just for those of you at home. All right, here we go, we're gonna spin it. All right, Billum. We got Billum coming in, so look for him. <gasps> yeah. Next week, we'll have Billum Sewell back on and we're gonna talk about what you do when you find these defects in the field. So for Paul, I'm Jack. Everybody have a great week. And so, for the Carbaline Tech Service Podcast, I'm Paul. And I'm Jack. And we'd, we'd like, like to, to thank, thank you for your support. support. Who put the